I am Tova Cito. I believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And I believe it's our job to get us there. Every week, I will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The Remedy. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the very next episode of The Remedy with Tovacito. I am so happy that you all are tuning in and listening. This week, I am especially grateful for the sponsors of not just this week, but next week as well. It's Dave and Taylor Nichols out of Austin, Texas. Thank you so much for your incredibly kind and generous donation. Dave and Taylor are actually dear friends of mine who love The Remedy, and um, and they gave a very generous donation, which will more than pay for Kevin's <laughs> salary. Thanks, lunch. guys. Lunch. <laughs> yeah, he has Lunchables on and a Miller Lite that you have <laughs> Maybe more pull than, back the curtain a little bit. More than taken care of this week. So thank, thank you. you, Dave. Thank you, Taylor. Love you very much and appreciate your support. Um, they, they, like I said, they sponsored this week and next week. So you guys are in for a huge treat, um, because what we are doing the next couple weeks is focusing on two things that I, even though I don't know a ton about, um, I know they have played an important part in my life and also, um, the lives of, of all of us. Um, one topic number one is shame, which we're going to tackle today. And then next week we're going to, we're going to tackle ego. And we are with fan favorite (laughs) Janice Gant, who uh, I think I mentioned your name at least once every episode. (laughs) In fact, Uh I, I was in my, in my episode last week when I was talking about things I hope for, um, in 2019, I mentioned you, and I was like, I really think I say your name at least. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> least so. There are some people that do that, and it's not so favorable. <laughs> Probably. Well, <laughs> well, I've never met that person. So thank you very much for always being so, I um, mean, your life is crazy busy. You have how many grandchildren? Nine. Nine grandchildren, wow. three yes. beautiful daughters, and, and a, a thriving practice that you have to, I'm sure, turn a thousand people away a week. And yet you still make time to come here. So I tell everybody, you're the luckiest people on the planet to listen to Janice because this is like free therapy. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's so sweet, Tova. It's such a pleasure to be here. Well, I always have a great time when I do this. Well, so thank you It's for because Kevin me. makes it so Kevin fabulous. Is fun. I'm getting all this free therapy every week. So. <laughs> I know. Kevin's especially <laughs> grateful when you come in. Okay, so today we are talking about a, a um, topic that I know you feel incredibly passionate about. You've written an incredible book called The Shame Game that right. I have on my bedside, highlighted, bookmarked, what do you call them, dog ears, like, I mean, I refer back to that book often um, because it's just been incredibly powerful. And and it's, it's like a, I mean, if you have struggled with shame, which I believe, and I'm sure you would agree, all yes. of us have yes. to varying degrees for a myriad of reasons, um, but you have to, work through it. I don't know that you ever overcome it, but you have to at least recognize it. Right. And I didn't even, honestly, Janice, before I met you, 
I had never, ever, ever, um, I mean, outside of really sh- reading about shame in the Bible uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and when Adam and Eve, um, you know, ate the apple and all of a sudden they recognized that they were naked. Right. And, um, and then they ran and, and gathered leaves because they had to cover themselves up. Like to me, uh, just being from a very theological background perspective background, like to me, that's when shame entered the world, but I had never personalized it or understood, um, the impact that, that shame had had on my life, on my psyche, on my relationships, on my parenting. Um, it really can take over for a lot of reasons and in a lot yeah, of different ways. It can, for sure. So why, let me ask you, you wrote this book. You've only written one book. If right, I'm, and, right. And yet, of all the things that you counsel, um, you know, you do marriage counseling, you, you do all kinds of therapy. You right. see people for all different kinds of reasons. If you're going to write, and I know you're working on a, a new book, which I can't wait for. We're all waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's, different than this It's one. on relationships, right? Right. It's on dating. Dating. Uh-huh. Okay. I really need that book. <laughs> if, you could, if you could speed that up. Okay. <laughs> I would appreciate that. But, but um, of all the things that you could have written about, why did you choose the shame game? Why did you write about shame? Well, when um, when I went back to graduate school, when I was 42, after I'd gotten my divorce, I got my master's, and then I worked at Timberlawn Mental Hospital on their dual diagnosis unit. It was a unit we treated people with addictions and also psychological disorders like depression, anxiety, um disassociative identity disorder, all sorts of things. So it was the adult psych ward. And so what I realized, what would happen is we would treat people for addictions, let's say, or for depression and get them on medicine and all of that, get people detoxed, and they would leave, and then they would be back in. It was almost like a revolving door that people would go out and then they'd come back in and it was always difficult because they had so much insurance that they could use. And so what, people just really never seemed to get beyond their struggle at that time. And So there was bleeding, and your program put a Band-Aid on it. Correct. And they would walk out. The Band-Aid would fall off, and they'd start bleeding again. That's correct. That's a great, that's a great descriptive of that. It never and, really healed whatever. Right. The, and causing it. so I had had some associations with the Meadows Treatment Center out in Carefree, Arizona. Uh, yeah, no, Wickenburg. And um, so one of the, the representative in Dallas and I were having lunch one day, and she said, you know, Pia Melody has this great program, induction therapy program around shame. And she works with therapists to teach them how to get to that underlying cause of all of these issues. So she said, you ought to go out there and do that. And so I was like, great. So I paid to go out there, and there were like eight of we therapists doing it. And she talked a lot about 
shame Mm -hmm. and talked a lot about emotional immaturity and how that underlies all of these behaviors and about woundedness and all that that you and I'll probably talk a little bit about today. But the, the thing that was so interesting to me is that I left there with this understanding of why people could not get beyond their issues. Mm-hmm. And in spite of the fact that they were having some therapy and they were taking medicine, it was just it was just all of a sudden a light kind of went off in my head. So I just start I really started implementing a lot of uh, Pia's principles in therapy and I just came to believe that underlying all of this was shame. And I so when I realized this, realized it about myself, I told one of my colleagues one day, I said, I think every decision I've ever made in my life was based on a shame-based little person that lived inside of me. And so as I looked at everybody and talked with people about it, it seemed to really resonate with people. So when I wrote the book, what I wanted to do was to write this book to tell people what I believe what I do and be able to hand it primarily to my clients so that they could read it and they would come back into the office and they would have some education and have a little bit of root mm-hmm. beliefs about some of this stuff so that they would, they would have to pay less money and mm-hmm. come fewer times and they would start to get this. And the... Well, and I feel like it's just another way to get the message. I mean, sitting in a room and verbally hearing it is one thing, but reading it... You're right. And it's just visually conceptually like it, it was it for me it was a it was another way to hear a message which made it even more powerful right I, th- I agree with you I think uh, reading and writing and hearing listening are all three mm-hmm. ways that we learn and at the end of each chapter I give people activities that they can do to kind of reinforce the concepts but the so the title of my book is the shame game mm-hmm. leaving shame to live in abundance because I believe that when we don't get beyond our shame then our ability to live an abundant life is, diminished doesn't mean that we're going to all develop an addiction or something like that but there's just no way we can recognize abundance and live abundantly if we have a shame core and i don't know uh you know the the thing about shame is is that it is it's an emotion but it basically is a descriptive that tells us that we are not worthy. We're not valuable. We are defective. And so more than it just being an emotion, it really is a state of being. Whereas guilt is an emotion that we feel when we out, when we were, um, do something outside of our value system. So if I raise my voice at my husband and I feel guilty, then that it's a warning mechanism that lets me know that I've acted outside of my value system and I need to make amends for that and then pull myself back in. So guilt, you do you think guilt is a good thing? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I it's too. definitely a good thing yeah. uh, because it just helps us stay on our path. It's like a flashing red light. Yes, like, it hey. is. I think it's our God consciousness, you know, mm-hmm. because we develop mm-hmm. values. And sure. so we want to live within our value system. But what happens with a lot of people is once they feel guilty, then they go into shame, which is I acted outside of my value system. Therefore, I am bad. So. Versus- I did something bad. 
Right. Instead of I did something bad, now you are a bad human. That's and right. That's what shame is. That's right. Shame is not realizing my value, my intrinsic value. I was born as valuable of a human being as any human that has ever walked this earth. Anyone. Mm-hmm. So that and what's so powerful about that is when I recognize that about myself, then I'm going to recognize that as my for my fellow man. A lot of people talk about, oh, that's just such a bad person or they're such a good person. I just don't believe that. Yeah. I don't. I think that everybody, I mean, you go stand in a newborn nursery mm-hmm. and you try to pick out the bad baby <laughs> and you just won't be able to, to do, do that. that. Mm-hmm. I remember when Owen, my oldest grandson, was about three months old and started smiling. I write about this in my book, and I he would smile, and he was so filled with joy, and his little toes would, feet would curl, and his hands would curl. And I looked at him one day, and I thought, oh, my gosh, we are all created that way mm-hmm. until we learn something different, until we are conditioned. I be- I believe that shame is something that we are taught. Mm-hmm. I don't believe we're born with shame. I, I believe that we, I think there's such a thing as humility, mm-hmm. which is what keeps me from being offensive to my fellow man. It also helps me understand that I am no better or no worse than anybody else. Mm-hmm. But I think that shame is, that, that is this toxic, sort of feeling that I am intrinsically not enough. Mm-hmm. You know, and so what happens is if through various means, uh, parenting, ineffective parenting, schools, society, religious institutions that tell us that we are not worthy, mm-hmm. that we were born bad, that we were... we or maybe we were even born good, but because of all these bad things we've done now we are bad correct and now we're not worthy that's right that's right which is interesting because as as we look at it we were born perfectly imperfect Mm -hmm. you know our creator created us us imperfect Mm -hmm. i believe so that we would look toward a creator yeah and so that we could look to our fellow man right and we need people and we need a higher power Mm -hmm. that we can associate with Mm -hmm. but our value comes from that higher power when i worked at the at i also worked at a, a another treatment center for addiction and one of the things that we gave our clients was this this piece of paper that said, God, don't make no junk, you know, and it's because all those addicts felt so horribly inadequate that it took a long time for for them to understand that they were valuable. And that is when we, when we tell our children, shame on you, or Mm -hmm. that's, you're bad, or you're stupid, Mm -hmm. or we expect our children to be perfect, or we expect them not to be human, to be perfectly imperfect, then then we are creating that shame core. And as that shame core is formed, 
it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and gets more toxic. And that's what underlies all of those dysfunctional behaviors. So, I mean, I have a thousand questions from what you just said, <laughs> but, but I'm just thinking about a conversation that I had with my daughter this morning. And she had gone to a dance last night and, mm-hmm. um, and, and I, I would like to think that her and I and, and me and, and all of my children have a very open, uh-huh. honest relationship. We communicate very well. And I could just sense that something was up with her. Mm-hmm. And I said, I just feel like you need to tell me something about last night. And she was like, no, no, what? And I was like, I don't know. I just, and I said, and I want you to know, you're not gonna get into trouble. I'm not saying this because I'm trying to catch you in anything. Like, I feel like, I feel like you saw something or experienced something last night and and you need some, to talk about it, and but you're afraid. I mean, I have, I, I really think it was a God thing and, and sure. that's, that's a mom thing. Moms always know. <laughs> and I was just talking about this with someone yesterday. They really? always know when something's up. Yep. Always know. <laughs> and so then she told me, you know, she'd gone to the dance, went to the after party. There was pot there. I and mean, she's only 15. She's a freshman. And she's like, Mom, there was pot. People were smoking pot. Like, I've never seen pot. Like, this was all, you know, like, I just feel like it's starting. And I was like, you know, did you feel peer pressure? Did you? Because I remember when, I mean, drugs weren't a huge deal when I was growing up, but I remember the first time I was in a room with pot. Yes, you know? me too. And everybody remembers the first time they were in yes. a room with pot. And I would have no more told my mom or dad that than the man in the moon because I was so scared. Even if, regardless of whether I did it or not, it was just, I like, the shame, you know, yeah, and the right. fear, right. like, keeps keeps secrets. Like, right. And so, anyway, we talked through it. She was leaving, and she was like, you, thank you for, thank you for letting me tell my truth, and thank you for being the kind of mom that lets me tell my truth. And... And I learned, believe me, I'm not a perfect mom and I've made a thousand mistakes, but I feel like because there was so much um, religious right. um, stuff. Abuse. And, yes, abuse. And and this need to be perfect, this um, pressure to be perfect when I was growing up, um, you know, all of all of those things that I was faced with, and I was way too young and way too immature to deal with, they became my secrets, right? Um, because I couldn't talk about, you know, I was tempted or I did this or he put his hand up my shirt or I mean stupid stuff, you know that that quickly became quickly defined me as a bad person, not because I. Because the church and my parents and, you know, friends, you know, she did that. She's bad. And, I mean, big or small, you immediately put yourself in a category. And and so I guess my big question in, all, in saying all of this is, especially as parents, um, why, why do parents put, put those 
unrealistic expectations of perfection on their children when knowing like and and maybe they don't know but knowing because you were once a kid and how unrealistic it is to be perfect i mean you're going to stub your toe right your brain isn't developed you're so immature you're so young and perfection is just so unrealistic and yet because we aren't perfect when we're 15 it it settle you know shame starts settling in your bones from a very young age right and so as parents let's just spend a minute there how do we stop this madness of because i feel like i see it and hear it everywhere um how do we stop putting this unrealistic pressure on our children to be perfect to perform perfect to be perfect to never make mistakes to make straight A's to get into the college to not embarrass us right you know um how do we stop that how do we stop that cycle that that probably their parents put on them. Well, that's absolutely <laughs> right. That's exactly where that came from for people is there's a generational shame in that these our parenting skills for the most part are passed down through generations. Mm-hmm. And for you know, you take the, you know, like spanking for example. Uh, I was spanked. I'm mortified to say I spanked my children. Uh, when they were young. Now we recognize spanking, or I certainly recognize spanking as being physical abuse. Yeah. And uh, so it's, but we we just do what we were, what how, how it was done for us. Right. And so shame-based parents are typically going to raise shame-based children. Mm-hmm. And what happens when we have a shame core, then we're going to be looking for something on the outside to make us feel full on the inside. So if I have a shame core... Can you define shame core real quick? Well, it is the when shame is very first introduced to a child, rather than the child being full of themselves, full of their value, the shame core starts to chisel away that awareness. Mm-hmm. The, it's like a diamond in mud. You know, a diamond has a value to it. Mm-hmm. So children are born, every child is born with this diamond inside which says you are as valuable as any human being that's ever walked the earth. Your mm-hmm. intrinsic value, it's like mud starts to cake on that on that diamond and the that it becomes clouded and then the shame starts to take over. So that core of value, Mm -hmm. self-esteem, self-value is clattered over and it becomes that shame core. So and that's where our diamond core moves to shame core. Yeah, it's covered Mm -hmm. with a shame. Because it's Mm -hmm. still there. Mm -hmm. So I like that whole image of a diamond and mud. I see it. You know, because then you so then what when you start to recognize this and you're like, oh my gosh, like I did that day, I think I made every decision in my life out of shame. And because I was making decisions on what they told me to do, mm-hmm. it, nobody Whoever ever taught me to look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody ever taught me to say, "Well, how does that feel to you? What do you think? What's your value about that?" Everybody told me what I should be. Mm-hmm. That's why when I was like 
42, I didn't know what my value system was. I, st- I may have told you this before. I stood in my closet and looked around at my clothes, and I was like, who bought these clothes? It wasn't you even— never told me that. I, I bought the clothes that everybody in the neighborhood was wearing, you know, and a lot of them weren't me. So I, as, as I started to become aware of my value and who am I, what do I think, what do I believe, what do I feel, what do, what I, do want? I want, what do I like— how am I physically? Am I tired? Mm-hmm. Am I, am I, you know, am I hungry? Am I full? It became because I was taught not to be self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. So in that self starts to dissipate, and when you develop a really healthy sense of your own value, the automatic response is that you value somebody else. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get overly selfishness over. Being overly selfish Mm -hmm. is a result of shame Mm -hmm. because we're searching for something to fill us up, Mm -hmm. you know. So, like, for example, we, you know, looks, we will use looks to determine our value. And as Mm -hmm. I always say to people, girls, you know, I'm 66. Those thighs, they're changing. (laughs) Your thighs haven't changed, though. Oh, yes, they have. (laughs) You know, or we look Mm -hmm. for money or we look to Mm -hmm. relationships. You know, Mm -hmm. what if your husband screws around on you? Mm -hmm. You know, do you lose yourself? I've had women come in and they're like on the floor, Mm -hmm. on the floor in the fetal position because their life had basically ended. You know, or your children yeah. Get arrested. Don't, don't get into the college or they get on drugs. Yes. All of a sudden. All of those things. Yeah. You know, uh, for men in particular, I think a lot of their value is based on money sure. and power, you know, and the stock market may go to zero. Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of external things in our world that can, that we are, that are a part of us, but they cannot define us. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there's nothing wrong with wanting good thighs or lots of money. Right. But if it is your definition of you, then you are living from a shame core because you're externalizing your value. You're having looks esteem, money esteem, relationship esteem instead of self-esteem. So you're living from the outside in as opposed to the inside out. So parents who put all of these pressures on their kids to act and to perform, it's because they're using their children to define them. So I have three daughters that all three of them have been really, really successful and I, I have not. I don't say I'm really proud of you. I because it's not, has done done anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't get pumped up because my children have done well. I'll look, say to them, "Wow, are you feeling really good about yourself? Because you're an incredible producer." When mm-hmm. Bryn does, or "Wow, you've done a great job with this little other business that Wesley has, or this mm-hmm. business Modern Soul that Blair has." So I'm very impressed with them, but it doesn't define me. Right. So once the parent no longer needs an outside definition, then they can want their children to be successful and happy. Mm-hmm. But they are able to let go of that and let their children go along that path. One of the things that is really important in this process, however, is limit setting. Because when when children are raised with parents who do set limits, children feel safer. So you could say, you know, look, Anna Pran, I 
I, there is nothing in the world you could do that would cause me to not love you. You are precious. I love you. That will never, ever, ever change. And as long as you're living in this house, I just want you to be sure and realize that, you know, smoking marijuana is a, a no-go here. Mm-hmm. So, but but I love you. Mm-hmm. Or you say to a toddler, you know, you hit, it's not okay for you to hit your sister with the Tonka truck, mm-hmm. you know, but I love you and that mm-hmm. will never change. But the behavior can change. So you make a really mindful, conscious effort of separating behavior and value to ourselves and with our children, you know, because we do put so much performance pressure mm-hmm. on these kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's nothing. And wrong. ourselves as parents oh my gosh. to be perfect and do it perfect and be at every game and and buy the perfect homecoming. I mean, like the pressures on, because parents are putting the pressure on other parents. But like, but they can only do that if we let yeah, them. That's really so if good. you're living from your inside out in really your good. own value system, and your and your value is like a stake in mortar. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm valuable because I breathe the air. And that's enough. Mm-hmm. Then those outside influences, we we will be aware of them, mm-hmm. and we may feel guilty mm-hmm. to our with our children if we don't do it. Mm-hmm. But it can't define us. You know, parents will bring kids in and they'll say, "I mean, you just need to get them to recognize some self esteem." And I'm like, "Self esteem is just an awareness of who you are." <laughs> You it's know, really my value is because I am a child of divinity. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. am a child of divinity. So my birthright is value and abundance. Mm-hmm. I deserve it yeah. because I am human. Yeah. Now, because you were born and because you breathe. Because I breathe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember, mm-hmm. the, I mean, I've told you this a thousand. I remember sitting in your office <laughs> and you telling me, you are valuable because you breathe. Had you ever heard that before? No. I oh. never had either until I heard it oh. myself. And I mean, I cried. I, I'm, I remember crying and I was like, I've never, number one, I've never heard that. Number two, I've never believed that. I've, I mean, I just had never accepted that. Isn't it kind of difficult too to let that go from your head to your soul? Oh, for it's a mean, long I'm, journey. I'm still working. I still have to remind myself of that. Like, okay, so-and-so may not like you or so-and-so may not think you're amazing or so-and-so may not ask you out again, you know, or like whatever it is. But right. but your value doesn't change be, because of external circumstances. Right. And, you know, we are affected by that. Yeah. We are affected sure. if our children, you know, if, if our children are smoking a bunch of weed, or they're doing other drugs, we're affected by it because we love them and we want them to have a successful, Mm -hmm. happy, abundant life. But it's not a reflection on us. Like I say, oh, I'm so embarrassed that my children... I remember I got caught. I had written a letter to a friend when I was like a junior in high school, and I'd been to visit another friend in Arlington from Lubbock, and I... um, we drank, and my mother walked in my room, and I was writing her a letter, my friend, and I put my hand over it. And then when I was gone, my mother steamed open my letter and read it no. and came to get me from the gym. And 
from this this cheerleading thing and that my parents were so devastated that I had drank because it was such a reflection on them, Mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't just concern for me, although they were concerned for Mm -hmm. me. But this this enmeshment Mm -hmm. between parents and children has been going on a very, Mm -hmm. very long time. And what what. The awareness of shame and the healing of that shame core does is it separates us from having our value be contingent on another person recognizing their value. Because if you don't recognize your value, you're going to act out in some way. Mm -hmm. So if I'm affected by what my husband does that's one thing. But if my value goes down in my own awareness or in my worthiness quotient, then I am enmeshed with him. Mm-hmm. For sure. Does that make sense? Oh. So it's kind of like well, it makes sense to me separating I had to yourself <laughs> from all of these mm-hmm. external happenings and people. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not easy. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I work on it every day. You know, having three daughters and nine grandchildren and a husband and a stepson and two son-in-laws. I mean, I've got all of these lives that I care so desperately about, but I absolutely do realize that their life is not my life. Mm-hmm. And it's not a reflection no. of anything you have done or have not done. Well, some of the things I choose could be a reflection on some of my parenting but not of but not of are. my value. Yeah, not of your value. Yeah, because I look back on my own parenting, and there were a lot of things that I would do differently, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, but I I I think that wrapping our arms around our humanness and the humanness of other people, especially our children, mm-hmm. is just it's. I have experienced more freedom of life, mm-hmm. of living, in the past. 15 years than I ever, ever, ever had Mm -hmm. because I don't really care Mm -hmm. what other people think. I mean, I want you to like me. I want you to think I'm smart. I want you to think I'm kind, but I don't need it anymore. In order for Janice to have value. Right. You don't need it. Right. You know, you, you have really, I mean... Everything that I've learned from you, learned from your book, has truly, I know we spent a lot of time on parenting, but it has completely changed. Um, I mean, even uh, Anna Pren and I obviously talked for a long time this morning, Uh but uh she asked me this morning how it was as a parent to watch her because she's incredibly talented. Uh-huh. So she's, she's athletic. She's music. She has musical talent. She's a great actress. She's, she's a great dancer. Uh, she's an amazing <laughs> dancer. Yes. Yes. She has all these gifts and yet, you know, she doesn't lean in to every single one of them. And she has a lot of voices. Mm-hmm. Um, coming at her telling her why don't you why aren't you playing softball you're so good at softball well she has no passion for softball it's not what she wants to do but she has a lot of people that she cares about mm-hmm. what they think telling her you're good at this why aren't you doing it so because she doesn't want to do it she feels bad you know she feels like her value goes down in the mm-hmm. eyes of these people mm-hmm. and the truth is it might yeah but her value doesn't change. But she asked me this morning, what is it like watching me 
as your daughter, knowing that I'm really good at all of these things, but I don't do all of these things. And I said, Anna Pran, baby girl, I love you. Mm-hmm. And this is your life. This is your life. And, and I can tell you, I do recognize that God has gifted you with amazing talents. And that's probably, like I was not born with as many <laughs> gifts as she's been given. Different, or I have different gifts, but I can't dance like you. I can't sing like you. I can't, I was never athletic like you. Like I, I just wasn't given that. And so I'm sure the pressure of all of that is great. Um, and I said, you know, it's not my job to manage your talents mm-hmm. or how you use them. And she said, well, how, how do I manage it? How do I, how do I do this without feeling the pressure from, you know, godparents and, and, and grandparents and, and coaches and right. friends and why aren't you playing and da, da, da. And I said, Anna P, you just, you just got to do you, boo. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what we always say, mm-hmm. do you, boo. And it, you've got to get all those voices out of your head and, mm-hmm. and lean into who you are. Mm-hmm. And what do you want yes. to do? Yes. You know, that's, I think we were taught, uh, we were taught, or I was taught a lot about don't be selfish, don't be selfish, don't be selfish. Mm-hmm. And, selfish and selfless and selfish are on a continuum. And when we are practicing self-care and esteeming ourselves from the inside out, then some some of our choices are going to be more towards the selfish end of that continuum. So it's not a black or white either or. It's about living my my best self. And sometimes I just say, do I want to do that? Yeah. I mean, I don't ever really want to pay my income taxes, <laughs> but I always do <laughs> because yes. in the long run that's going to be better for me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but I but I I think about myself First, mm-hmm. a lot of the time, mm-hmm. which was not something that I learned until later in life that it was even okay to do. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And when you're a kid, all you want is your parents and grandparents and godparents and coaches and teachers. I mean, all you want is for them to look at you and think that, that you're worth something. Right. And right. so learning, really learning, and not just hearing it, but... It, like letting it settle into your bones that that all of that stuff doesn't make you any more valuable all those talents that god gave you it's not moving the needle about who you were created to be right and that's a beautiful child of god yeah that needle cannot it cannot move it cannot move and you know what i love about that too is that we start to really realize that abundance can look many different ways. Mm -hmm. It's how how do you want your life to look? How do you want your abundant life to look? Mm -hmm. What would that look like? What would you change? When would you say yes? Are you saying yes when you want to say no? Mm -hmm. How does that impact you? And it's and then as parents we learn that our children cannot be held accountable for our sense of value Mm -hmm. because it's a burden you just can't carry and that's when you'll see kids really start to act out yeah you know because they don't they can't it's too big for them way too big and and i have to admit i had like that's something had i not gone to you for had, had i not 
had you not been my therapist for so many years and had you had I not read your book, I really fear the kind of parenting, the kind of parent I had the potential to be because I have to, like my human, Tova human, insecure, right. shame-filled Tova wants to put an inordinate amount of pressure on my children and I have done it. I have. I'm not proud of it. But, but in my weakness and in my insecurities and in my own shame and fears, I have, I have, whether it was, um, yeah, intentional or not, right? I know that I was like, you need to make better grades, yeah, and and I'm, you know, looking at their their weight, and I'm like, she probably needs to lose a little. Bit. <laughs> I mean, it's embarrassing for me to admit that, Janice, but it's, I have had those human. Um, shame-filled thoughts myself. Like, what if, what if Carter doesn't get a scholarship? What if George, what if George doesn't make it? What if, what if Anna Pren? I mean, all of it, all of it. And you really, as a as a mom, just like it. It really what 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 is crazy about it is letting go of that shame mm-hmm. and letting go of those messages and letting go of that control and pressure it frees you up mm-hmm. and you can't believe it but it does it frees you up to just do what god told us to do from the very beginning and that's love that's right that's right and i think in the long run kids will do better because oh, none of us thousand like the percent. pressure you know i do i think it's a i'm so glad percent. you said that tova because i do think it's important that for those of us who, me in particular, I'm thinking of, who got this message later in life, my kids were gone, basically, when I got this message. And and one thing that I have learned to do is to say to my kids, yeah, I did that. Mm-hmm. And I am I really apologize oh, for that. Yes. And they're like, okay. And then I have to let it go, yeah. you know, because then owning – for people who are listening that think, oh, my gosh, I've made so many mistakes with my kids. If we own our mistakes with our children, then we it's kind of like an etch sketch in their brain. Mm-hmm. They can just be like, okay, and it kind of erases it. So, again, that's I want pe- people to feel encouraged about mm-hmm. it because we don't know. We will know what we need to know when we need to know it, and when we know it, we know it, mm-hmm. and the time is perfect because God's timing is perfect, mm-hmm. and so it's not undoable mm-hmm. as far as going to your children. And then also, as we look at our parents and the way they parented, is to be able to love them and realize that they did the best they could, even if it weren't worth a flip at times. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, the, <laughs> you know? I do believe that, and about all parents, is they really did I do, do too. the best they could with what they had at the time. I agree. And some parents just didn't have a lot. They didn't have the skills. Mm-mm. They didn't know. Mm-mm. It's learned behaviors. Mm-hmm. We it love is. naturally. Mm-hmm. We parent from our environment and how our environment, mm-hmm. schools, schools have a big influence on this. Mm-hmm. Telling kids, you know, putting on. Oh, for sure. How, who's making straight A's mm-hmm. on the bulletin board. Mm-hmm. You know, Stars. Yeah. Star chart. Yes. <laughs> you know, the society mm-hmm. as far as racism and, um, People who have a different sexual 
mm-hmm. determination with yeah. it. And, and so it's, uh, or I guess identification is better than determination, but it's there's just a lot of criticism from the outside world. And yeah. what we've learned to do is have a boundary system that keeps that outside of us. Mm-hmm. And it's that what you think of me is none of my business. Oh, my and I love that. I love it. You so. wrote that on a sticky note and you gave it to my daughter one time. I did. And it's on her mirror I to love this day. It. I love it. <laughs> Every time, In fact, I put toilet paper in her bathroom today and I looked at it. And oh, it I just, love it. It's That's just, like, so cute. It's such a great, powerful. I mean, what it's true. What you think of me is none of my business. Right. Right. And and our calling is just to love. That's right. And self, and, and that's what Scripture tells us: mm-hmm. love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. So if we don't love ourselves, mm-hmm. and we're not coming from a place of absolute acceptance and understanding our value, we will be inadequate lovers to others. Mm. Because we don't have the capacity. Mm-hmm. It's, there's an Al-Anon saying that says, let it begin with me. And it's so true. I got to start at the beginning, and that's about me loving myself. Yeah. In spite of my humanness, which is divinely imperfect. So let me ask you this. If, if somebody came to you and they, they just had a ton of shame, like they're coming into you the first time and you're – the, the shame alarm is going off like, wow, this person carries a lot of really poor messages from their past. Um, how long, how long, if this, if, if somebody has a desire to change and to do it differently, um, how long, I mean, I'm sure it's different for everyone, so I don't even know how applicable this question is, but how long does that rewiring of, of the mind and the heart and the spirit take? Well, the moment you become aware of it, it starts to repair. Mm-hmm. It's not rocket science. Mm. It's an awareness, and it's a pathway in our brain. So with repetition, then that the new pathway will, will be formed. And what happens in our brain is once we form a new pathway, then the old pathway is scarred up so we don't travel down that road. You know, so it's we're going to travel down the road less traveled at first and kind of be aware of it. I had a sign in my bathroom uh, right after I got my divorce that a friend gave me that said, you deserve to experience divine abundance simply because you're a child of God. And I read it, I don't know, 50 times a day, 100 times a day to start to form that pathway. And that's why in my book I have all the exercises for people to do because they're very direct activities that will help you go back and recognize some of those messages. Mm -hmm. That's when you go back and start to heal that wounded child and develop a compassion for yourself as a child. Then we can uproot those. So if we don't go back and look at the woundedness and the origin of all of it, then we're just kind of to- cutting the top off the weed. Mm-hmm. But if we go back and look at our sources of woundedness, it's like uprooting the weed mm-hmm. with the roots and shaking the dirt off and throwing it away because that weed will be gone. And then we'll just grow a new flower, so to speak. It'll be different. So it takes a little while, but the awareness of it is hopefully people have gotten that from this you know, this podcast Mm -hmm. that like, oh my gosh, I've lived from a place of inadequacy thinking I'm not enough, Mm -hmm. that I'm bad, Mm -hmm. you know, that they can start to seek that repair process. And if they'll, you know, that's why I give everybody a 
copy that's in that comes to see me because it really will help people. Yeah. So, you know, they can get this book on Amazon and um, or call me and I'll get one to you so that you, you know, can really start this repair work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that I think it's a lifetime process, I but I'm so much better. And I think I got I I was so at the bottom yeah. <laughs> that really the only place I could go was up. And so well, I got it pretty quickly mm-hmm. because it's not. It's not complicated. No, it's not complicated. But I have to say for myself, the awareness was huge. I mean, I'd, the stuff that came out of your mouth and the things that I read in your book, I there were things that I'd never heard of, especially, I mean, I grew up with so much shame. I had so much religious shame. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only mm-hmm. thing I ever felt was unworthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Me too. Only thing I ever, I didn't even know there was such a thing about, as religious abuse until you get until I read that um, in your book Uh and I was like oh my gosh but I have to say um I think awareness is huge intention Uh you know and and I like you I mean you had that sign up in your but every single day I have a I have a journal and Mm -hmm. and I have a it's a gratitude journal it's three things I'm grateful for three things that would make today great and then one affirmation love it and I read an affirmation a while ago and I thought that needs to be my affirmation and so for the last I don't know six months every single day my affirmation has been I am and then I write forgiven forgiving I am I want to give I'm going to give my best and I deserve the best love it and that's my affirmation and I really I mean that's that's what that's what speaks to me but I really to your point I really do agree that it's all about our intention it's Mm -hmm. about thinking about the life that you want and 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 the message that you want to live I do believe we live Mm -hmm. a message you know uh, of grace and abundance and love and and our life is a testimony of of something, whether we know it or not. Right, you know? right, and right. and if we're not intentional about that, um, we're kind of just throwing spaghetti on a wall every day. Well, if you're living from a shame core, you won't be intentional. You mm-hmm. can't because you'll feel selfish, or or mm-hmm. you'll feel inadequate, or you know. So it's it's. I think that we want to. There's three A's. It's. Um, Awareness, acceptance, oh, this is what I am doing, and then action. Mm -hmm. And I think the action is where the intention gets starts to get produced, Mm -hmm. you know, so that we just, Mm -hmm. and so much of it is how do I want my life to look? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's desire, Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong. If you want $40 million, desire it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with it. No, you know, I so agree with you. It's about us really getting to know ourselves enough, and what do how what do we want our life to look like, mm-hmm. and we can get close to it. Oh yeah, I believe it. I, I do really too. believe it. I, I do and too. I, I believe it because I have it. Yeah, you know? I, yeah. I, I really have it. And I mean, like I said last week, this is what I was talking about when when I mentioned you last week. But knowing there is no there, right? There is no there is no. And there's no finish line to no. Tovacito as an evolved, enlightened human being. But I'm always 
moving in in a, a very intentional direction. Yeah. And and I that's what I would encourage everybody to do. Shame, shame. I, I think I, I really I really hope and pray that if somebody is listening and these are all new concepts or ideas, that they don't just hear it and and think, God, that's a great idea or gosh that was a great podcast but they really they really do something mm-hmm. uh, no matter where they are on the shame spectrum right you know? right because i'm on it you're on oh, it yeah, everybody's yeah, yeah. on kevin even you're on it it's a process <laughs> yes. not an event <laughs> yes and there is no there no there is no there. there is no there so wherever you are i just my hope is that you um you take some nugget from this and you just continue to move in a direction that will that will create more healing and allow you to let go of some control and embrace the love and abundance that that our god has given us created us us to experience yes Yes. we are spiritual beings having a human experience Mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be good yeah it really is it is and it it can be it can be it really can be no matter where you are yeah i agree and 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 if somebody had told me that in my pain in my disappointment in my grief for all the reasons i've sat in my closet like you and cried i mean i i don't know that i'd believe them but but this really is a life-changing and powerful concept and so okay buy the shame game <laughs> amazon.com or call janice uh-huh um people who can't see you um because they you're so booked um people who are like okay it's time for me to take that step and get help where where would you encourage them to go outside of uh, if they really need professional help or need some guidance? And well, there's some, I needed it. Well, there are some really good therapists that I know. I'm not taking new clients right now. Um, although I did take one new one not long ago because she called me and she said, I got your book and I read it in one night. <laughs> she said, can I make an appointment with you? And I said, I'm sorry, I'm booked. And she said, I bought your book and I read it all in one night. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll see you. <laughs> Most people say, well, it's on my bedside and under like three other books, but it's starting to move up. You're like, sorry. I'm like, that's fine. You'll eventually get there or not. But but people can definitely call me and I will be so happy to refer you to somebody that I, there are a couple of therapists that I know really well that have been trained in this same thing Mm -hmm. as me Mm -hmm. and they will be... uh, and they're available. Okay. So I would be so happy to do that. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And, and we're, and we're going to ease into oh, yeah. a conversation about ego, which we will visit next week. So well, I think it's all tied together. So um, not only thank you so much for this week, but next week as You're well. So welcome. You're um, truly amazing, My Janice. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks thank you. So thank much. you.